Welcome to the North Pole, everybody. Week five in the books in the NFL. And 
Uh, a lot of people are getting paid a lot of money today to talk about the decision that Mike Zimmer made uh, going forward on fourth and a half uh, half yard uh, to you know, which ultimately led to their downfall in that game. And a lot of people say that was a bad call. I loved the call by Mike Zimmer. He said in Kirk Cousins' headset while he was in the huddle after the uh, after the game in the press conference. He said, "I told Kirk we didn't come here." To lose we came here to win and that's what he did he put the ball in the offense's hands to win the game and I had no issue with that at the time there were multiple times in that game where we converted on fourth and two fourth and one third and one and our offensive line was pushing them backwards for most of the game in the run game I had no problem with it um, at the time in hindsight hindsight's 2020 we lost the game Russell Wilson went down and scored a touchdown but he had to do what everybody would have at the time thought was impossible go 94 yards in torrential rain and with less than two minutes and he did it that's what russell wilson does every week and we in a way we let him win the game because we put the ball in his hands and gave him the opportunity to win it in regulation but ultimately i thought our best chance was going for it and ending the game without giving him the ball back with that said Let's break down the game. Um, you're listening to the North Pole with Gabe Flayton on the Review and Preview Sports Network. And uh, going over, recapping this game, there's a lot of fingers we can point uh, as to why we lost. Our secondary is a big one. Um, but I don't really want to play the the finger-pointing game tonight. I think we played an awesome game. I think we, we excelled in a lot of areas. We improved in a ton of areas. And we lost to what could possibly be the Super Bowl champions of 2020 uh, by one point. And we've now played two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. And we've gotten toasted by both of them. But I think coming into this game, the Vikings had experience going up against an MVP caliber quarterback. We played against Aaron Rodgers week one and got toasted. Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney. Holton Hill, Mike Hughes, we were, they were all part of that game. And coming into this game, they knew what it was like to go up against an MVP caliber quarterback, and they showed it. Uh, Russell Wilson in the first half. And before I get into that, uh, Russell Wilson stats, I want to just point out, Hank uh, has a comment. Generally speaking, I might have taken points, but I definitely understand the call. I agree. I, I agree, Hank, with that, uh, with that comment. I think that's what a lot of people – were telling me after the game, they were like, that's just a a bogus call by Mike Zimmer, bonehead call. Um, We're one and three. We were one and three going into this game. I wanted to be aggressive going into this game. And what happened was Mike Zimmer called the most aggressive game he had called in possibly his career uh, defensively. He made Russell Wilson uncomfortable. And what I was alluding to before was that Russell Wilson's stats in the first half he had just over 20 passing yards, and he was just stifled and under pressure four sacks or in the first half or three sacks by Minnesota in the first half in this game. And they were coming from a bunch of new guys, James Lynch, Efadio Denebo, Yannick Ngakwe, guys who are – it was rotating. It wasn't Daniel Hunter. Daniel Hunter's not on the field. I'm loving the improvement from this defensive line. And – DJ Wanham, another guy on the defensive line who saw his mo- the most amount of snaps. He's their rookie. Uh, James Lynch, rookie, made his first career sack. He had 13 and a half sacks 
at Baylor his senior season and was all uh, all Big 12 player defensive player of the year. And I really like this comment by Tom Scavetta. Keep the comments coming, guys. Where is Ryan Connolly? Now, Ryan Connolly has only seen snaps on special teams. I want to talk more about that in my analysis of the game. Who is going to step up at that other outside linebacker spot for Minnesota? Eric Wilson has solidified his spot at the uh, at the place where uh, Anthony Barr was not. But since Anthony Barr got hurt, um, we haven't had an answer. Ryan Connolly's a guy I want to see more of. Um, I want to see more of Troy Dye, a rookie that we drafted who looks a lot like Anthony Barr. In this game, Todd Davis, a name that I didn't even know, he was wearing number 40 and I had no clue who he was. I had to look him up. He got the start. He only played about 20 snaps or 15 to 20 snaps. We were in nickel defense most of this game. And right now, we're going to be playing a lot of nickel defense. We're playing the Falcons next week. We're playing a lot of teams that pass the ball. Chicago, you're going to be in a nickel defense most of the time versus Chicago with how many times they run five wideouts, four wideouts, and spread it out. So I think Anthony Barr's injury actually isn't that severe when you think about how much nickel we were going to be playing anyways, and how well Eric Wilson has filled into that outside linebacker spot. Eric Wilson in this game had a sack, a big tackle for loss. He had an interception in the fourth quarter. That would have been the game-winning interception if we had converted on that fourth down. And I just want to go into the, um, the secondary for a little bit. I actually really liked what I saw from Jeff Gladney in this game. Now, he's a first-round pick. We know how cornerbacks are in their first year uh, as a rookies. They usually look bad. Jeff Gladney was that this season up until this past week. Uh, he had to play DK Metcalf a lot in this game. He had to play Tyler Lockett a lot. And Jeff Gladney, I really was excited to see his improvement this week. He's actually really highly graded in PFF for run stopping. He's 66 out of 110 overall in PFF at the cornerback slot. And that doesn't sound great. He's still in the, you know, in the bottom half of all corners, but he's the best ranked Minnesota corner. So that's great, right? (laughs) And he's actually, he only let up two catches for 30 yards against Russell Wilson in a season where Russell Wilson has just been dictating everything. I think this was a win for Jeff Gladney. On the other side, not a lot to be happy about with Cam Dantzler. If you watched that highlight clip to start the show, you saw DK Metcalf on 4th and 10 just not even mossed Cam Dantzler. Cam Dantzler just looked lost on that deep throw. Uh, Chris Collinsworth was calling that throw that Russell Wilson has patented the moon ball, where Russell Wilson just heaves it 50 yards and it goes sky high. And Cam Dantzler, rookie corner, poor ball skills. That was it. That was his knock coming out of college was probably his ball skills. What I like from Cam Dantzler is his size and his physicality, but what is it with Minnesota corners and their ball skills? Uh, Xavier Rhodes, I thought was probably one of the worst ball skill corners in the NFL last year. And sorry for the phone, by the way. Um, He was one of the worst corners when it came to ball skills. He was always getting beat in the um, when there was a, a excuse me for the phone ringing that will go off in a second. Give it one moment. 
<laughs> but I'd like to continue my thought in one second. Um, and there it goes. Perfect. Um, Xavier Rhodes was bad at ball skills. And we haven't improved in that department. Mike Hughes, another guy, doesn't have great ball skills. He might have one or two interceptions on his career. Uh, I would like to see more takeaways. And as we get to more comments here, Tom Scavetta comments, surprised Anthony Harris got beat on that touchdown, but the secondary looked gassed the whole fourth quarter. Yeah, Anthony Harris, uh, Tom, funny you mention him. He's played every single snap on the defensive end this year for Minnesota. Not a single player on this defense has played every single snap. And I think that's a testament to the the conditioning of Anthony Harris, the leadership. He's a big he, – he wants to be on the field. He coaches those players on the field. And if you watch the Houston game last week, when Anthony Harris – or when Harrison Smith, rather, uh, had to leave the game because he was ejected, Anthony Harris was the leader on that defense telling George Iloka where to go. Uh, I can't fault Anthony Harris – on giving up that touchdown to DK Metcalf. Anthony Harris was running around all game last night, making tackles, uh, you know, saving touchdowns, doing his thing. He's there. He's not there to make anything fancy. He's there to just be on damage control. And that's what Harrison Smith and Anthony Harris were doing last night. They're on damage control because there's so much uncertainty with what's going to happen in the passing game. Anytime Russell Wilson drops back, and DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and these guys go deep. So I think the I can't fault Anthony Harris giving up that touchdown, but I think he uh, his marks on PFF are low because he has to clean up everybody else's crap in a way. Uh, I hate to be so vulgar, but it's the truth. And um, let's go to the offensive, or let's stay with defense for one more uh, with a cup for a couple more minutes. Um. I do like Ham Dantzler's physicality. I thought he was great in the tackling game. And then let's go to the defensive line for one more second. Um, let's go to Yannick Ngakwe. Uh, he is not – he's the third – he's ranked third best pass rusher in the NFC North um, by PFF. He had an incredible motor last night. Yannick Ngakwe definitely has filled the void of Daniil Hunter to the best of his abilities. Yannick Ngakwe played 85% of the defensive snaps last night. That was his season high. He's been getting more snaps as the season has progressed. I love it. The guy is a beast. He doesn't take plays off. He's He never gives up while rushing the passer. Russell Wilson multiple times extended the play only to be met by a, by a hustling Yannick Ngakwe he makes a lot of hustle sacks, and you could call them coverage sacks, but I like to call them hustle sacks. They're sacks where he doesn't give up. He doesn't make the sack on his first or second move, but he gets there after the play breaks down, and he's really good at chasing down Russell Wilson, guys who can be mobile. And I think in the upcoming week versus Matt Ryan, Yannick Ngakwe is definitely going to get his hands on Matt Ryan once or twice. Um, but yeah. Defensively, you're going against a high-powered offense. Chris Carson just had eight carries for 52 yards in this game. The Seahawks only had 54 snaps, and their time of possession was in the low 20s. Uh, it's hard to blame the defense. There was such a small sample size. Giving up the three touchdowns in a matter of two minutes wasn't pretty, but it was also 
completely set up by amazing field position. If we look at this game and say, well, what if it wasn't pouring out? What if the weather was great conditions? Then I'd be talking to you right now about Russell Wilson um, throwing for 400 yards and this secondary being super ugly. But since it was raining, I think the Vikings got lucky. I think they kept it really close. And I think ultimately uh, the defense cannot be blamed for this game. So I'm not going to blame them. Now let's move to the offense. I just want to point out that at 6.30, Andy Hopper, host of the Brew Party, Chicago Bears fan, he will be coming on the show to talk about the Buccaneers and Bears game from this past Thursday night. That was an awesome game too. Also decided by one point. Um, It was a really tight set of games in the NFC North this week. I'm excited to talk about that game with him in just 12 minutes, 13 minutes. Um. Moving to offense now, Kirk Cousins looked good in this game, and PFF thinks so too. And you know who owns PFF? Funny, uh, I you know I use it all the time and use it to criticize players. I use it to praise players. And turns out the person who owns PFF is Chris Collinsworth. And I found that ironic as I was watching the game yesterday, how he criticized Drew Samia so frequently as Drew Samia is the worst PFF player uh, at the guard position. It was funny because he he was using his own company's analytics to describe what's going out there on the field, and I thought that was, that was fascinating. Um, but Chris Collinsworth, man, I want to know how much he paid for PFF, and I, I would love to know how much he makes off of it because I'm a subscriber, and I'm sure that was probably the best investment he ever made when he bought it a few years ago. But enough of that side uh, sidebar. Going to offense, Adam Thielen in this game. Can't describe how amazing Adam Thielen is. I'm wearing his jersey, and honestly, I didn't give him enough credit in the first few weeks. Adam Thielen might be a, he, he, Adam Thielen's a top five wide receiver in the NFL, and I think he's the most fundamentally sound wide receiver. If you watch him play every single route he runs, there's a reason Chris Collinsworth ranks him at number one in PFF or his his uh, analysts do. And Chris Collinsworth loves to bring up Adam Thielen's route running. Any moment they get the chance to show a replay, Adam Thielen is running such a crisp, beautiful route. And his head movement, his hip movement, it's so hard to tell where he's going to go. He has honed the the art of route running, and it's what makes him so impressive. Now, to last night's game, Adam Thielen had a season high in catches at nine. He had a season high of catches at targets at 16, but he was not at a season high in yards. He was only at 90 yards, which was his third highest of the season. And an interesting note on Adam Thielen, I love to talk about the things he does before he catches the ball. But once he catches the ball, he's a non-factor. On the season, Adam Thielen has about 28 catches. And his yards after catch is at 43 yards. So he's looking at maybe one and a half yards after the catch on average. He doesn't do much once he catches the ball. And his level of separation in this game was pretty small. And NFL Next Gen Stats had Adam Thielen at two yards of separation from his defensive back at the time of the attempted pass, that uh, intended pass. And that's not a lot of space. Adam Thielen runs in a vacuum. He plays in a vacuum, and he always makes contested catches. 
And that's what I love about him is how sure-handed he is. That relationship with Cousins is a beautiful thing. And I don't think there's a better duo right now in the NFL, maybe when Devontae Adams gets back healthy. But I don't think there's more trust between a quarterback and a wide receiver right now than you have with Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen. Dalvin Cook, how can I not mention Dalvin Cook's groin injury? He looks questionable for this Sunday against Atlanta. I would be shocked if Dalvin Cook played in this game. Uh, we don't need him to win. We, we need him healthy. And a groin injury is one of those pesky injuries that can keep bugging you and flaring up if you don't, if you don't rehab it right. So I think when we look at um, Sunday, I think we're going to see a big start from Alexander Madison. And everybody, please, please go to your waiver wire right now and look if Alexander Madison is available. You saw what he did in one half last night. He finished the game with 20 attempts and 112 yards. That was in the second half alone. Dalvin Cook finished the game with 17 attempts for 65 yards and a touchdown. I love Madison. He's a great threat in the receiving game as well. I I could see him being on the field all three downs for, for Minnesota. Uh, another player I want to shout out. And before I get to that, Tom Scavetta with the comment, does the addition of Jefferson hurt Thielen statistically? That's an excellent question. I don't think it does actually. I think if anything, Justin Jefferson across the middle has opened up Adam Thielen on the outside and has made him more of a threat. Um, I think, I think that, um, Justin Jefferson has been been excellent for the Vikings offense in growing Kirk Cousins and making him not have Thielen vision, but I think Thielen vision will always prevail with uh, with Kirk Cousins, and I, and I'm not going to complain because he usually connects with Adam Thielen no matter how how covered he is. There was one throw last night where Thielen was was really really covered, and Cousins let it fling, let it fly on the sideline, going towards the end zone where Griffin, I think, made a beautiful play on the ball. But Thielen usually comes up with those plays. Uh, Another player I want to shout out, Irv Smith Jr., second-year guy. I've been so, so critical of this guy uh, this year yet. He came into this game with two catches, 24 yards, and I love him now. After seeing what he did on the second play of the game, that diving catch he made, and then in the second half when the – when the team was making a comeback, his catch down the sideline um, and then forcing that uh, 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty, Irv Smith Jr. really finally came out uh, and showed everybody that he was worth a second-round pick. And that's a big, big pick to make on a tight end, and he finally showed it. I'm really happy. Another guy that stepped up in this game was Chad Beebe. Made a nice third down conversion catch. Uh, Ola B.C. Johnson made a first down conversion catch. It's a beautiful thing, man, when Kirk Cousins throws the ball to other guys. I forget there's other receivers on this team. And numbers, they come and go. And names I can hardly remember from the last five years because there's been only two guys that the Vikings have focused on over the last two years, and it was Thielen and Diggs. And it, now with Jefferson, there's really only two names on this team that you'll ever remember at their receiving spot. Uh, And it's sad because there's guys wide open on every play uh, and Kirk Cousins just needs to do a better, uh, better job finding them. 
I, I shouldn't even go into their offensive line. Um, running game, great. Protecting Kirk Cousins, just awful. Dakota Dozier, Drew Samia, some of the worst pass-protecting guards in football. Garrett Bradbury, not not too great at protecting the passer either. Uh, I would love to you know criticize their offensive line all day, and I just can't. I, I think if you watch the game, I think anybody who watches the Vikings play I think they realize that Kirk Cousins can't be blamed um, for these losses. I mean, it's hard to to throw when you have two seconds. Not only is this pressure coming at him fast, but this pressure is coming at him right in front of him. I get it if your offensive tackles are just letting defensive ends, uh, you know, get to you quick because that's on the quarterback sometimes to see that and then step up in the pocket, but. How can you step up in the pocket when your pocket is collapsing? And Kirk Cousins, I'm not going to tell him, you know, well, get out of the pocket. It shouldn't be that tall of a task for a guard and a center to double team a guy. But every game, there's a guard that breaks through a double team in the interior. And I can't blame Kirk Cousins for that at all. Um, But yeah, all around, um, I thought Kirk Cousins played an excellent game. I thought he looked good. That one interception he threw was really, really a nice play by KJ Wright, who is six foot four and snagged it with one hand. Uh, but that play couldn't have come at a worse time. I think Cousins should have just thrown that ball away. But ultimately, I, I can't fault the offense for this game. At the end of the day, I think this game was just Russell Wilson being a magician and doing what he does best, and that's come from behind at the end of games. And I think if Minnesota maybe let them score a little sooner, which in hindsight, they should have let DK Metcalf catch that ball down the sideline and run in the end zone. Maybe Minnesota could have drove down the field and scored because the way they were moving the ball in this game, I think if you gave Minnesota with two timeouts, 45 seconds, I think Dan Bailey, who kicked one earlier in the game from 52, I think he very, very much could have uh, converted a long field goal. With that said, I'm going to now present my NFC North naughty list. And then after that, Andy Hopper will join the show to talk about the Chicago Bears. Stay tuned for this, everyone. You're not going to want to miss it. And hello, everyone. Here to present the NFC North naughty list for week five is Santa Claus. And uh, we have a short list for tonight's show. As I have to fix my beard, it is so luscious. Matt Patricia, you're lucky this week. You're not on the naughty list. All right, naughty list number one. None other. Then, Drew Samia. <laughs> well, I'll tell you right now, uh, the way I play isn't exactly sexy. Um, but I'm, I'm going to come in and I'm going to show you guys. How nice I am to the opponent. First, I let them penetrate me and then I watch them plow my quarterback. 
the media, and Chris Collinsworth hate on me and I get it, I am very bad at playing patty cake, but what they do not talk about is how I am always the first guy to help up Kirk. Andrew, I appreciate your generosity to the team. Helping up Kirk Cousins first is a very good gift. And for that reason, I will not be giving you coal this year. Thank you, Drew. But please, please, Pat Elfline, will you get back healthy soon? Please, we need you out there, son. Next on the naughty list is the peewee football coaches of the Chicago Bears for not teaching their defensive players how to properly form tackle. Please watch this video, too, for an example. First down and 20, Jones is hit in the backfield, spins out of that, turns it into a big play in this league, and to be recognized as that, you have to intercept the ball. He wasn't able to do that for a couple years. Here's a pass, caught second in a game for Johnson, still going. Tyler Johnson shook up the real depth offensively, and they're utilizing it. Here's Jones, survives a hit, and carries it for a first down. Does that work? Touchdown catch number 78 in his fantastic career. Here the first down. They're on 47. They started their own 32. Here is Jones. He is to the 47 and more. Spinning down near the 31. Gronkowski reaching to get it. Full head of steam. First down and more as he takes it inside the third. And last on the naughty list is none other than myself, Gabe Flayton. Gabe Flayton was a clown because he made a bet with Kevin O'Brien, recurring guest on the show, that the Vikings would finish the season with more wins than the Packers. Now, Gabe wasn't wrong that Justin Jefferson will catch 80 balls out of the slot this year. That was a very good prediction, Gabe. But. $50 will be going to Kevin O'Brien. Hopefully it will go to a charity of his choice, but who knows? It is his money. And that will do it for the NFC North naughty list for this week. Up next is Andy Hopper from the Brew Party to talk about the Bears and the Bucks week five. Thank you for listening. And what's up, Andy Hopper from the do? Brew Party? What you drinking tonight, Andy? Oh, it's my oh, classic it's Bush, Bush latte. latte. You know, you know, you know, you know, you know the deal, man. Come on, Come on. If it ain't broke, nice, don't speak. nice. <laughs> where are you from? Because you have Central Time, so I was wondering uh, whereabouts are you from? Yeah, so he tells me uh, you guys do bill me from Chicago. Technically, I'm two and a half hours south of from chicago so champaign illinois is where i am from the where the university of illinois is if that is helps you guys uh picture it a, a little bit better so the middle of some cornfields uh in <laughs> central illinois is, is where i'm from a few hours south of uh chicago 
That's cool. That's really cool. My dad's from Minnesota. That's why I'm a Vikings fan. Um, I'm sorry. He's not from Minneapolis either. He's from like five hours north of uh, Minneapolis. So it's nice to see some Midwestern, uh, you know, people come on the show. Um, so let's get started with uh, the offense in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago, they took down the Bucks. I came into the game thinking the Bears would win. I didn't think it would be that ugly, but let's start with Nick Foles. I mean, what did you think of him in this game? Uh, yeah, for sure. I thought he had a rough start, you know, the first quarter and a half or almost quarter and down to what the last two minutes, four minutes of the second quarter, they didn't look very good. You know, he was missing throws that, you know, he's supposed to be the the guy that comes in and is supposed to be able to throw downfield and make those. Um, you know, we saw him miss that screen pass that would have been an easy first down. You got to point to that deep pass where he was not even close to Darnell Mooney, where Mooney would have walked into the end zone. Um, but, you know, credit to him. He was able to pick himself back up, which I feel like he does very well as a veteran, you know. Um, obviously, you know, he had those throws that weren't that great. He threw a pick as well, but I honestly like loved his leadership and his poise in the second half. They end the first half up 14 to three. You see him kind of on the sideline, urging Neji to let him go up tempo. You know, I don't want to say call his own plays, but let the bears keep moving quickly because they almost seem to work better in that two minute offense when they're moving uh, with pace. You know, I'm not really a fan of Neji's play calling this year. I think at times, He tries to get too cute. I do think that Foles is still trying to acclimate himself into this offense a little bit, you know, get fully comfortable with the play uh, playbook and everything. Um, And he does work best out of the shotgun. They are asking him to go under center a lot, uh, which I think he's still trying to get used to. We know he's not as mobile. He doesn't move his feet as well as Mitch Trubisky does. Um, But I was impressed. You know, you have to be impressed. At the end of the day, they come up with a win, no matter how ugly it was. He's 30 of 42, 243 yards, a touchdown, an interception, obviously. But, you know, he's averaging 5.8 yards a, a throw, which that's not too bad, you know, for the Bears. <laughs> They're actually <laughs> letting him throw the ball downfield a little bit. Yeah, and Allen Robinson, he had a season high in targets this game. Um, just a, They threw the ball a ton in this game. They. It seems like they – I mean, this was a, a maybe an exception from the past weeks because they did abandon the run game in this one, but rightfully right. so because you're not running the ball against this defense uh, in Tampa Bay. But that's a very interesting point you made where Nick Foles, I saw that on live television. He was getting at it with Nagy, and Nagy was not having it. Um, mm-hmm. And you can't tell underneath the mask his expression, but you could just tell Nagy was not like going with what Foles wanted. And that offense, though, it's like a – it's such a spread-out offense. I, the Vikings, I mean, I'm really scared for when they play the Vikings because the Vikings in nickel defense is tough. They have such a bad man-to-man secondary. And Tampa Bay has really aggressive corners. Uh, I love Antoine Winfield Jr. I think their secondary is still really good, uh, and that's probably why Foles struggled. But that offense with David Montgomery going in motion – from the wideout spot, I, I text my friends after the game. I'm like, if I had a dollar for every time they ran that like pre-snap play, I was like, it didn't make any sense. I was kind of confused. I don't really think Matt Nagy uh, is confident in his in his offense right now. No, he's not. Um, <laughs> sometimes when he calls plays, you think he kind of still thinks he's in Kansas City or something. It's like we, we obviously they have athletes, but they don't have the speed guys. They don't have some of the guys to pull off some of these plays. 
he's trying. He definitely didn't have confidence when Trubisky was in the game. I know you had asked me earlier, like how I thought Trubisky would have fared. And I think they would have lost if Trubisky started this game, especially if they started that same way. I think it would have taken him longer, definitely longer into the second half to, I don't know, get a rhythm. He probably, he might've made that screen. I think he would have made that screen pass throw for that first down. He probably still would have overthrown Darnell Mooney, but just maybe a little bit closer than Foles was. Um, but yeah, he maybe would have handled a little bit of the pressure better um, from the, gosh darn it, the the Bucks defensive line, uh, just because, you know, he does move his feet a little bit better for sure. Uh, but yeah, I think Foles is the guy going forward. Uh, the offensive line is definitely a problem. We saw James Daniels go down this week, torn pectoral muscle, probably out for the year, which is huge. Uh, we've seen problems with them the past couple weeks, you know, after a solid start. Uh, but they just haven't been able to block for Montgomery. I did like what they did with Montgomery in the past game, though. I believe he had like seven catches for 30 yards. Uh, that helps when you're only running for 29 yards because they re- they couldn't block anybody in the run game. No, Vita Vea was number two PFF defensive tackle. I, I, I mean, we saw the Vikings versus Seahawks and how Dalvin Cook's injury completely sparked the comeback, and it was sad to see that an injury, you know, energized the opponent, but – Another game where Vita Bea's injury, it was devastating for everybody involved, but it definitely gave the Bears, uh, you know, a sigh of relief that they don't have to see that beast coming at them every uh, every play. And I wanted to pin this comment that Tom Scavetta made before. Uh, it seems like the Bears have some unfinished business. Um, do they keep this up? Uh, I don't know. I don't think they finished 12 and four. I think they are a very solid team. Like if you told me before the year that they'd be sitting at four and one right now, I don't think I would have believed you. I think it all depends on how comfortable Nick Foles can get. And uh, if he can get rolling, you mentioned like the high amount of targets they had for Robinson this week. And I think that I just attribute to that and like needing a lot of big plays and in big moments, like he's your number one guy. You've mentioned PFF a lot. I do believe he's like top five rated receiver in PFF this season. Um, So why not? If it's not broke, (laughs) don't fix it. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not really concerned about that. I mean, he's been super consistent, top rated PFF. Like I said, I attribute, yeah, that it was a close game. Uh, A lot of plays, the bears, you know, they had to have it. And who do you trust more? Really? I think, that Montgomery was great. Jimmy Graham has been awesome. He's somehow <laughs> become this team's number one red zone threat out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Like uh, this se- this offseason when they uh, signed him, I definitely didn't see that coming like at all. Uh, he seemed pretty washed in Green Bay. You know, you thought his best days were behind him. And, you know, I think he's really embraced that role of just in the being in the red zone, being there when they need him. Cause we haven't seen him make a lot of catches this year. I think on the season, he's got 17 total catches on Thursday, three for 30 yards and a touchdown. So he's just kind of there, a veteran presence, somebody that always seems to be able to get open in the red zone. Yeah. I, I know one thing uh, about touchdown vulture tight ends and they, they suck for fantasy teams uh, because a guy like Jimmy Graham, I started him this week. He gets that touchdown that just justified starting him, but he didn't completely ruin your team, but he didn't do enough to make him like a top five tight end for fantasy. Kyle Rudolph is a guy who has been with the Vikings for a long time, who is consistently just, he just wakes up in the red zone. He makes amazing catches in the red zone, but in between the twenties, he's a non-threat. And I think 
like you mentioned before, Allen Robinson, he maybe he is the only guy they trust because Anthony Miller has been dropping so many passes this year. It's rare that a guy like Anthony Miller or a guy like him will um, have less snaps this year than the year before because he's a guy that's supposed to be improving, growing in the offense. He's played less this year than last year, probably because of his drops. Um, and Darnell Mooney didn't really have an excellent game this past week, but he's been a really bright spot on that offense. And Cole Komet, uh, guess who has touched the ball more on offense than Cole Komet? Bobby Massey, right? Tackle. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't get what's going on with this offense. They run a spread, but they're so reluctant to get everybody involved. Yeah, I don't. He doesn't know what he wants to do on the offensive side of the ball. He just looks lost sometimes. It's Nagy that I'm mentioning here. So I think it'll be tough for them to fully get back to that 2012 form. I think the defense has the capability of doing that for sure. I think when Fangio left to go to Denver, that was huge. They bring in Pagano, who's a great coach, but it's it's not the same. Obviously, it's not that same group of guys. Um, I do like Cole Komet. They don't really know what they want to do at the tight end spot in general. They'll throw out Holtz out there. They'll throw Jimmy Graham. Komet isn't really getting any time, and I don't understand why if he is their top pick in the draft. Uh, I like that you mentioned Anthony Miller and Darnell Mooney because I actually had those guys written down um, on my sheet here that I think they do need to get more involved. These are young guys they're trying to develop, especially if you guys are going to be super hesitant to extend AR, uh, Allen Robinson. Who then? Who, who are you expecting to take those take over those targets next year? So we need to develop these guys, get them somewhat involved in the offense. They're speed guys. If they can hold on to the ball, uh, looking at you, Anthony Miller, they can do some damage for sure uh, in uh, open space. Um, but, yeah, I think if I had to pick a record for the end of the year, if I'm looking, like they should get, take care of Carolina like coming up this week. But I think they're actually a sneaky good team. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater isn't going to lose you a game. I mean, you know all about Teddy Bridgewater, yeah. Minnesota Vikings fan. He doesn't win you the game. He doesn't lose you the game. <laughs> he's not going to make mistakes, but you know, he's a, game, a game manager. Um, yeah. He is. has stepped up really well for Christian McCaffrey. I know if you have him on fantasy, he's gone over 20 points the past three weeks, I think. so. Uh, and we saw the struggles uh, on defense containing Ronald Jones. So that could be a storyline to watch uh, on Sunday. Yeah, let's let's stick with the defense here. Um, missed tackles. I I, th- I showed that uh, video before on missed tackles. Buster yeah. Screen was guilty of a bunch. Roquan Smith was. It, he looks like he was way too amped up on C four coming into this game. He didn't break break down his feet when he came in. He would hit the hole so hard, but just would never make the play. Um, and then Danny Trevathan played okay for. I mean, considering he was probably their weakest link on that defense coming into this game. Um, Let's go to the secondary first. Tom Brady didn't complete a single pass beyond 20 yards in this game. What did they do to prevent the deep threat from happening in this game? Well, I think the secondary played great, but you also have to point to the pass rush here. Like Khalil Mack got going, I believe two and a half sacks for him there. If him and Akeem Hicks can start wreaking havoc on that defensive line, it's going to be a long night. Uh, I don't care who they are lining up against. Um, you also have to point to that big play Kyle Fuller made uh, in the second half that really changed the game. You know, when he laid that huge hit, one of the biggest hits I've seen all year on Keyshawn Vaughn to force that fumble. And then they didn't want to throw Eddie Jackson's way at all. And that really shrinks the field if you're not 
trying to throw it towards the safety. Uh, you have to point out Jalen Johnson's effort. I know they tried to attack him a little bit. He did get a couple pass interference calls, I think, but I thought he held his own pretty well. He is one of the best rookie cornerbacks in the league, I believe, second rated by PFF, 65.7, uh, and he has like six or seven pass breakups already on the year. But as far as keeping it beyond the or under the 20 yards, I just think they shrink the ball or shrink the field really well. Um, and they're able, if they're able to get pressure, uh, they're going to force your quarterback into checkdowns and maybe making more mistakes. And that is what this secondary feasts on. Yeah. Another guy, Robert Quinn, I, I mentioned him on the show last week in the pass rush. He genuinely only plays in pass rushing downs. Um, he's playing at only 30 to 40% of the snaps, really breaking even with Barkevius Mingo, the other guy uh, playing there. Is Robert Quinn a guy you are a little underwhelmed with coming into this season, thinking, you know, with all that money he's making, wouldn't it be nice if he was on the field a little more? Uh, Yeah, for sure. I think we could also attribute this to him missing, what was it, week one with an injury. Maybe they might be a little bit hesitant to let him go back full strength, don't want to re-aggravate anything so early with so much time left uh, in this long season. But I, I guess a little bit underwhelmed. I was Super excited, you know, 11 sacks last year with the Cowboys and the Bears bring him in, and that's really what they were missing. They needed a guy on the other side with Mac. I, I mentioned Akeem Hicks that that's their man in the middle. You got Mac on one side with Quinn. You're thinking that's one of the best pass rushes in the NFL. Um, so, yeah, I guess he's been a little underwhelming. Look for him to pick it up as far as, like, the rest of the year goes. Maybe he, we see him on more snaps. Um but I don't know. I guess, yeah, that's that's kind of a good word, word for it. Underwhelming. Andy, do I start Khalil Mack for week six or no? Uh, yeah. Did you see what he did to Tristan Wirfs? Uh, he, he smells blood in the water. I think Khalil Mack is all the way back. He kind of had a, a slower start to the year. I think he only has 17 solo tackles, but you have to mention the three and a half sacks and what he's been able to do the past couple of weeks has been awesome. Yeah, and – I was I use NFL Next Gen a lot uh, to look at pass rushing because they have a really good analytics where they show how uh, the distance between the quarterback and the pass rusher at the time of the pass attempt. And Khalil sure. Mack in that Giants game, it was ridiculous. He was two yards from Daniel Jones on every pass attempt. The Bears' defensive line as a whole are really uh, they're above average. Every single player, Robertson, Harris. Um, Mac, Nicks, uh, or Hicks, and um, Blau, all of them. Blau Nichols, yeah. uh, Barkevius Mingo, yeah. uh, Brent Urban has been a good yeah. addition oh, for them this year. Um, yeah, as far as underwhelming, I actually I do think Bilal Nichols, and um, I'm sorry, I had a couple written down here. Let me look at this real quick. Um, Roy Robertson-Harris and Bilal Nichols, I think they could both get a little bit more involved. They are in reserve roles. You know, they're probably they're not playing as many snaps as those main guys, but they only have like eight and seven tackles respectively on the year. Uh, look for them to each, you know, try to get better, or maybe they're getting their roles taken by Brent Irvin, Barkevius Mingo, because they've both played well. Irvin and Mingo both through five weeks have 10 tackles and a sack. Uh, that's awesome. That's great production from these guys that are definitely your secondary pass rushers for sure. The guys you're not really looking um, 
to be in the backfield every time to be your game wreckers like Khalil Mack, like a guy like Quinn. Um, I do want to jump back and talk about Jalen Johnson for one second. I know you had wanted to talk about he had stepped up, and it's really been like a breath of fresh air, to be honest. You know, having somebody step in and take over that number two cornerback role. You mentioned Buster Screen having all those missed tackles this week. Um, I really didn't know. You know what to think about Johnson coming in. You got to look at the the injury history at Utah, having a bad hip, I believe it was. Shoulder. But injured. I, I remember they sh- talked shoulder. on the broadcast. Shoulder. Yeah. Shoulder. Shoulder. Okay, that sounds right. Yeah, you're right. Um, but I actually remember like on draft night. So the Bears take Cole Komet at that uh, in the second round. Actually available right there was still Grant Delpit from LSU and Anton Winfield Jr. from Minnesota. And I remember actually talking to my buddy, being like. I would have really liked one of those defensive backs there. You know, that'd be a great piece. Obviously, what, four picks later, they take Jalen Johnson, and it's worked out great. So I guess I have to eat my words there. But, I mean, Antoine, Antoine Winfield Jr. is doing great things down in Tampa Bay, too. Yeah, I love him just because I loved his dad. Antoine yeah. Winfield was awesome. Um, and I'm really kind of jealous. Uh, you know, you guys got the better corner in the draft, I think. Jeff Gladney – looks like a child out there like (laughs) he looks so small and like confused I feel bad like watching him he just it's it's sad but Jalen Johnson he looks stronger he looks veteran almost and he he never makes like he doesn't make those young rookie mistakes um Mm -hmm. and I just think the Bears defensive play calling is really good they don't put a ton of pressure on their corners um and they have an amazing duo of, of safeties to protect them uh, in in the secondary. I've loved Tashawn Gibson uh, Sr. I think he's been great. Uh, and Eddie Jackson is a guy you mentioned before. We haven't seen a lot of him probably because they just don't throw to his side. Highest um, paid safety in the NFL. Yeah, exactly. And the, the highest paid secondary players, you shouldn't even hear their names on game day because they should be such a non-factor. Uh, the, it's the people who are young and experienced are the guys that are, you know, getting exposed. Um, Ronald Jones, though, I do want to bring back to uh, the Buccaneers. Ronald Jones looked great. uh, And his, there was times in the game where he wasn't even touched till 10 yards down the field. Um, What, what went wrong there on the defensive end? I mean, he made guys miss specifically Rokon Smith twice. I mean, you showed it or in that video earlier, you got to point to that first and 20. Rokon Smith had a direct path right to him. The hole was wide open and he just misses the tackle. He, uh, he ends up with that big run, you know, and then there was that other one. I think it was a first and 10 where he was just able to, he was dominating the middle of the field. You know what? You have to also shout out his offensive line. They were great at, you know, when they weren't headbutting guys and drawing, <laughs> drawing, drawing penalties, they were moving big holes and, you know, Jones was able to keep it in between the hash marks and I don't know exactly what his yards per carry was, but I, what, 17 rushes for like 106 yards. He was all over the field. Um, yeah, I, he was just making guys miss. And his yards after contact were great too. Because even if he wasn't making his making a miss, it seems like he was carrying guys at least a few yards when they were trying to bring him down. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that has to do with their the way they call their defense. If they're so – they try to play the pass more than the run. Maybe they, yeah. they, and I think the Bears have been good at that this year. Is they've given up, you know, running. They've given up big running games this year. Uh, Adrian Peterson had a big rushing game 
and he doesn't do that much. But what they do, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he really doesn't. He, he comes alive every every season. It's like there will be three games where he has 100 yards rushing, and then he'll have like 10 attempts for like minus eight yards the next week. <laughs> but um, I think it's because they, their mentality is bend but don't break, and that brings me to their red exactly. zone. And it's phenomenal. What what makes them so strong in the red zone? Well, you just said it right there. It's been don't break. And I think I mentioned earlier, they're really good at like shrinking the field, especially with their backs against the wall. Uh, I mentioned the pass rush earlier. If, if, they're, if, they're, if they get enough pressure on the quarterback, they're going to be hard to stop. Uh, they can force the QB into bad decisions. And the secondary just feasts on those. Uh, I mentioned earlier, if they can get the quarterback to check down, especially in that red zone situation, it's probably going to be a tackle for loss. Uh, they, like I think they're only allowing 36% uh, conversion rate in the red zone. That's number one in the league. And also they're really good at getting off the field on third downs. Their opponents are only converting 33% of their third downs. So I think that has a lot to do with it. And the yeah, the bend don't break. And they somehow always seem to come up with a turnover in the red zone. They just get – I don't want to call it turnover luck, but I mean, sometimes you do need turnover luck. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? But I, yeah, I think it has to do with the pass rush. Like if we're looking at last week, three sacks, five tackles for loss, six passes defended and eight QB hits. Like if you're getting to the quarterback that often, it's going to be hard to get in the red zone, let alone. Brady looks so mad out there on the field. His <laughs> he body, was he was imploding on his teammates. And that that I, I just love the the Bears organization how how well rounded they are right now they are just consistent quarterback play away right now for, and maybe more consistent offensive line play uh, from being the almost the best team in the division well because that defense I still think is easily the best defense in the division um, I I think they're a better defense than the Packers and it'll be really interesting once they get into into those games versus the Packers and the Vikings. I'll have to have you on the show uh, when they play. I just want uh, one more question for you um, is who has been the biggest disappointment on this team? Who has been the biggest surprise? Okay. uh, I'll start with biggest surprise. You have to put Johnson in the conversation there for sure. I think Darnell Mooney has been great. Uh, You know, he, I don't want to call it a small sample size, but it almost is, you know, but he's shown flashes that like he might, he, he's got speed. He can make big plays. Um, I think Brent Urban and Barkevious Mingo, uh, who I mentioned earlier, you also have to point to them 10, to, 10 solo tackles each. They each have a sack already. Uh, they've helped the bears pass rush. Hopefully they can get somebody to help uh, <laughs> against, against the run as well. Um, disappointment. I, is it Trubisky? Do you have to do you have to save Trubisky just because he only lasted what two and a half games? Um, I, I, we mentioned Eddie Jackson earlier, who's been playing very well the past few weeks. He did have a few rough weeks to start the games, uh, start the start the year. A few rough games to start the year for sure. Um, Khalil Mack had a slow start, but I don't know. Yeah, I think the disappointment is Trubisky. <laughs> that seems like a really easy answer. That is correct. Thomas, they don't. Foles is 30-something. <clears throat> Excuse me. Foles is 30-something. They're not going to extend Trubisky. Do they go for a guy in the draft here? You're obviously not tanking for Trevor Lawrence if you're at 4-1. and one. This defense is good enough. I don't know 
win you the division, but make the playoffs for sure. I see this as a 10 and six, 11 and five team, potentially uh, the, you mentioned earlier, the, the matchups with, with Minnesota and the Packers, I think are going to be absolute dog fights. I think the real key is, will the bears offense be able to keep up with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? And we saw Minnesota last night, keep up with the Seahawks really easily. Adam Thielen's the number one rated PFF receiver in the league right now. And obviously Kirky boys, uh, favorite target. So it, it, that's, that's the big question. What can this offense do? It's, it's never, it's never been a question about the defense. Cause you know, the defense will be able to be there. Uh, we'll be able to step up. It's what can we expect from the quarterback? Will the offensive line be able to hold up, especially with that injury, um, to James Daniels, second-year guy Alex Barr is coming in. You know, he's essentially their not sixth man because, you know, there are six guys on the, or however many guys on the offensive line, but he's their utility guy. We've seen him at the guard spot. We've seen him at the tackle spot. But now he's going to have to move into that starting role in his second year in the NFL. Is he ready for that? Uh, is the whole offensive line as a unit ready for that? Uh, the offensive line coach, his name is slipping my mind, of course, as I try, as soon as I started to talk of him, uh, has a big job to do, I think, for the rest of the year. And that was very well said. I wanted to bring you my my biggest uh, surprise, biggest disappointment. I was going to mm-hmm. say surprise would be Bobby Massey. I think looking at his PFF rankings for the last like you know few years, he's been really poor. And I think he wasn't. I don't. I'm not sure if he was on the team in 2018 or if he it, he must have played a lot he- better. If he, I think he was, but he might have been a backup at that point. Right, I'm not, I don't I'm not think sure. He was their starting right tackle at the time. I think he's been awesome this year, and um, both tackles, Charles Leno Jr. I think they've been great. And uh, that's funny you mentioned though with Alex Barr. Uh, the last thing you want to see is bad guard play in pass protection because I think there was a bunch of plays when I saw James Daniel go down with injury where Alex Barr just got blown up, and Nick Foles like Kirk Cousins. He's not going to be able to escape. He doesn't have escapability. Trubisky mm-hmm. almost is a better option at that point if Alex Barr is going to pull a Drew Samia and let the guy <laughs> run roam through every time. Um, but biggest disappointment, I would go with Danny Trevathan. Um, I remember him in Denver. He was so athletic, so strong, and he just looks like he has uh, lost his his uh, you know his prime. He he looks like he's out of his prime. And I think just looking at this defense. It, you even struggled to find a guy who's a disappointment on the defense because this defense, there's nobody who is underperforming. And I just think Danny Trevathan is that one guy who you could definitely say has underperformed this year. I mean, um, that's, but, that's interesting you say that because he led the team in tackles against Tampa Bay. He had right. eight total tackles, seven solo, one pass defended. But yeah, you can definitely tell that he is a little step slow. I mean, that happens. This is the NFL. Like it's crazy how how quickly uh, your window opens and closes for sure. Um, but yeah, I like that. I like your surprise for sure. Bobby Massey has been great. You know they need that all on the offensive line. You point to a veteran like uh, Cody Whitehair as the center, who's really he's going to have to be the anchor. Massey's going to have to step up. Or we're going to need him. Uh, we're going to get some big man touchdowns from Bobby Massey this year. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, he's. T- I can't believe he's touched the ball more than Cole Kovett. That is unreal. He's doing it. He's doing everything. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, might as well line them up at tight end if we're if we're <laughs> going to sign eight or nine or however many we had on the roster in the offseason. Um, I actually think now that you mentioned another disappointment, Cairo Santos, he, he obviously hits the game winner, but you think like you uh, it's the Bears kicker. This the Bears don't have a we don't have a kicker and we don't have our quarterback. That's the narrative in in Chicago. I think Cairo Santos has been solid, but he has missed a couple kicks where it's been like. Okay, you know, he was good in Kansas City. Obviously, I think he's an upgrade from uh, Eddie Pinero. And then we saw this weekend fucking Cody Parkey doinks one in for Cleveland. Like, why Why does that have to be now? Like, oh, my God. But, yeah, I'll, I'll stop my Bears kicker rip. <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. We, we could have an hour-long conversation another time about the history of our franchise's kickers. Um, and I'm glad I finally met somebody who has a, a shared grief over that. But uh, (laughs) yeah, and it's funny you mentioned the kicker and the quarterback. They still don't have one. And what since 2018, that was exactly what was preventing them from being really a Super Bowl team. So it's kind of surprising that two years removed from that, they still haven't found that permanent option at both. But uh, with that said, Andy, is there anything else you'd like to add before uh, I move on? Uh, bear down four and one big game against the Panthers this week. Thomas said in the comments, uh, they haven't beaten Chicago. They haven't beaten Carolina in Carolina since 1995. Look for that to change this week. Uh, 11 and five this year. I said it on the show book that, uh, follow the brew party on uh, Facebook at the brew party podcast, uh, on Twitter and Instagram at the brew party. And we are now on YouTube as of today, also the Brew Party. Just search that there, and then Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Wherever you get your podcasts. Actually, former guest of the North Pole and uh, review and preview, Caitlin Leonard, Bear Down Girl, is going to be on the Brew Party tomorrow, talking everything Bears. We're going to talk the same thing: uh, Bucks Bears last week, and preview the Panthers Bears matchup coming up. So, thank you so much, Gabe, for having me. This is an awesome show. I love what you're doing. The naughty list made me crack up when I was backstage. The missed tackles. You're doing great things here, man. I cannot thank you enough for having me anytime. I would love to come chop it up about the NFC North. Awesome. Andy, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Good luck with your show tomorrow with uh, Caitlin. She's great. And, uh, yeah, everybody, go follow the brew party. Andy, have a great night, and uh, good luck the rest of the way. Hey, cheers, man. Thank you so much. I'm sorry your Vikings dropped that. I, I do. Before we get out of here, can I ask you what you yeah. think? About uh, Zimmer's decision to go for it on the fourth and inches, I think it was a great decision because after okay. the game, he told he told reporters he said in the headset of Kirk Cousins when he was in the huddle, he said, "We came here to win." He said that to Kirk Cousins. Now, if I'm Kirk Cousins and my coach tells me that in the headset, man, I can't blame him at all. He it oh, was yeah. the moment you want to win the game. We had moments in that game where we got one yard with no problem. Um, I think the play call was the wrong call. I thought we could have – they pinched the defensive line hard and we should have did something else, um, maybe some misdirection. But, yeah, I think it was the right call. Yeah, I, yeah, because inches and you win the game. I, I like the call, but I can also see the other way of going up eight and then forcing Seattle to get the two-point conversion. But at the same time, explosive offense behind Russell Wilson and I believe – Seattle's like conversion rate on two pointers is like one of the highest in the league. So definitely the right call. They're just an unfortunate result. 
And, you know, Madison balled out. You know, he had over 100 yards. Do you think Dalvin Cook gets that first down? Mm, yes. Yes, I do. 100%. Because he bounces off of guys. He would not have gone down like Madison went down. I actually would have rather seen C.J. Ham or Michael Boone get the carry over Madison. That's a very good point. Hey, mark that one down. All right, man. Well, uh, I know you're trying he, to get out of here. I'm sorry. I just had to get that perspective from an actual Vikings fan. I'll have to come on your show sometime too. And Absolutely, yes. No, we'll set that up here. Uh, I have my next two episodes planned out, and then, yeah, yeah. let's get you on here. And Sounds then I also good. need to get uh, Hank on here as well. Yeah, so, for yeah, sure. for sure. We'll be in touch. I got your number. Uh, good sure. luck this next week to the Vikings. Uh, one of us has got to take down the Packers, man. <laughs> Absolutely. That's why I'm a Bears fan now, unofficial. There we, there we, go. The there we go. There we go. <laughs> All right. Thanks again right. for having me, Gabe. Yep, you're welcome. All right, everyone. Now let's go on to uh, my week six predictions, um, and then we will round out the show and close it out. So this week we have um, a full slate of games for um, the uh, NFC North, which is awesome. So now I'll have a ton of good content to talk about for next week's show. So let me bring up my predictions for week six. Now – This is going to look really good for Minnesota. We have a matchup versus the Atlanta Falcons, and they, we we are getting lucky with these games against teams that have fired their coaches within five weeks. Uh, We played the Texans, and now we are playing the Falcons at home. This is going to be a whooping, in my opinion, and by whooping I mean we will win by more than one point. Uh, Chicago at Carolina. I think the Bears take this one. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to have a really hard time reaching 20 points in his offense. Uh, He has consistently played well, but he's going up against another kind of defense that I don't think he has seen yet, and that is the Chicago defense. Tom Brady only put up 19 on them. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to suffer the same fate. I think the story of the game is going to be can Nick Foles and the Bears offense accumulate enough points to win the game? And 23 is a high-scoring game for Chicago, in my opinion. Um, so we'll see. But I do think Chicago, whether it is ugly, whether it's pretty, I do think they come out with the win. And then going to Detroit and Jacksonville, this is going to be an intense game of two really, really mediocre teams. I think Jacksonville closes it out with a win, and I think Matt Patricia gets the can after the game. I'm really excited. Uh, I don't wish he gets fired, but from t- reading up on everybody uh, who has a has something to say about it, I think he has lost that team, and he's lost the locker room, and I think he will be the third coach now to lose his job. Lastly, Green Bay at Tampa Bay, the Battle of the Bays. Uh, 31-27, Green Bay wins is my prediction. I think Aaron Rodgers versus Tom Brady, I think Aaron Rodgers will get the better of Brady uh, with Devontae Adams coming back and Alan Lazard still out. Robert Tanyan in. He has been playing awesome at tight end. He is the leader of all tight ends in touchdowns right now, tied with Mark Andrews. I think the Packers definitely have a more well-rounded offense. I think they put up 30-something on on Tampa Bay. And 27 for Tampa Bay is honestly generous. 
I don't think Tampa Bay puts up that many points. Um, just with that pass rush that Green Bay has, that pass rush is phenomenal. And I think they will uh, get to Brady often in this game. And Worf's left tackle uh, and their left tackle, I don't think we'll have an answer for the Sacksmiths. Andrew Hopper, you're welcome. Thank you for coming on the show. Everybody follow at the Brew Party uh, on all of those um, websites. Is Jefferson better than Diggs? Ooh, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that, Andy. Um, I really don't think he is, to be honest. I don't think Jefferson is number four PFF wide receiver. And no disrespect to Justin Jefferson. He is a phenomenal talent as a rookie. But to tell you that he is better than Stephon Diggs right now, when Stephon Diggs is in the top three in receiving yards with uh, Buffalo right now in his first year, definitely don't think he's better in four years, maybe. But the reality is, is he doesn't need to be better than Stephon Diggs. Justin Jefferson just needs to be cheaper than Stephon Diggs. And that's what he is by 10%. Or he's making 10% of what Stephon Diggs uh, is making. And the production is roughly the same. And that's why it's amazing. And Jefferson, he might not be more talented than Diggs right now, but his ego is certainly more grounded. And he's certainly more humble and gets along with his teammates far better than Stephon Diggs ever did. So thank you for that question, Andy. Uh, let's see if there's any more comments to go over. Doesn't look like it. All right, so that will wrap it up. Just want to leave you guys with one uh, more thing before I go, and that is this picture. There you go. And that that is me as a clown because I bet Kevin O'Brien $50 that the Vikings will win uh, or will have more wins than the Packers. And that was my punishment for coming in last for the week uh, five review and preview picks. That is my fourth time now coming in last. Um, but that will do it for the North Pole this week's episode. Uh, give it a follow on, or give review and preview a follow on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. And stay tuned for next week. I'll be on. Have to look for a guest. I'll send out a post who's coming on the show for next Tuesday, 6 to 7, every Tuesday night, North Pole with Gabe Flayton. Thank you for listening, everybody, and have a great night.